Have you made an eye doctor appointment? Yeah, it's it's no good. And I need ones that match my gowns and whatever. So uh, you need glasses that match your gown. So like gold frames or something. Ooh. We shall see. I feel like us four-eyed ladies get to accessorize differently than others. <laughs> Episode two, welcome back. I'm really excited for this week because we weren't sure in the craziness of the pandemic that we were going to be able to muster an extravaganza that is a musical episode, but oh man, did we deliver. And I say we, but mostly it's Francis and Michael. Yeah, I mean, I could gab at like a mile a minute about this sort of wild adventure that this episode takes us on. So you're hurdling through this journey at like a breakneck pace, but there are a lot of emotional hills and valleys also. And I mean, when you were making it, people were all over the world, right? Can it be tri-coastal? New York, California, <laughs> Netherlands, talking about Taiwan and China. So we're just like on a global journey. There's so much to it. There's so much texture and so much storytelling there. Michael and Francis were just so game. Like, let's just get on this horse and ride. I mean, this is like a one-man show. And there was a really specific actor they wanted to work with. And so Cock actually lives in the Netherlands. <laughs> like we had to schedule recording sessions during like some really serious lockdown, like so that Cock could make it home before curfew. And then there was also some really specific instruments, like culturally specific to the story. And so there was an incredible musician who Michael brought in in California where he lives. And I, I dare you to tell me it sounds like people were in different places. <laughs> this was the hardest one, but we were able to get the right people, even though they were so far away. Yeah, I think you really feel how much everyone cares. I mean, there's like such a targeted passion at work in it. And I, I don't know, when I listen to this piece, it's so infectious. I just feel like I'm moving. <laughs> and actually, if you want an insider hint from the playwright herself, uh, this is an episode that's probably best experienced when you're also in motion. So if you're going on a walk or a run or you're traveling like in a train, a car, whatever, that's like prime time to take in last words of Uncle Dirt. Cosign, cosign, it's great. Something I, I learned specifically about China and Taiwan from Francis through this piece is that there's this long history of cultural exchange around gods and a national lottery that happened in the 80s. Uh, and Allison, I think we can add some links to our soundstage page if you want more historical context there. And that's part of what inspired this episode. We can totally do that. And there's so much in this episode. I mean, statues speak. We move through the massacre of Chinese miners in the West. I mean, we move through centuries, literally centuries of Uncle Dirt's memories. It's really, yeah, it's really fascinating. All right. Well, I feel like we need to come up with some sort of like tag team sign up. <laughs> like, like, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> Here we go. These will be the last words of Uncle Dirt. I speak them from inside a Taipei temple to you, my audience of abandoned gods. Look at us lining the shelves of this dim, windowless room. Our earthly bodies are small. Not one of us is bigger than a pineapple. Our robes are tattered and bleached white from years lying forgotten under the hot island sun. 
some of us still have limbs. If you pay attention, you'll find out why I'm missing both of my arms. In less than an hour, the modest stone statue that has housed my spirit for 500 years will be destroyed by temple officials. But before I am evicted from this body, I must speak of my time inside it. My story begins five centuries and 300 kilometers away. Let's journey across the Taiwan Strait and the South China Sea to Fujian Province. Comrades, watch that stonecutter cut rock from an ancient mountain, then sell that mountain's flesh to a sculptor who gives that rock the shape of a tiny bearded man seated on a simple throne. A local family buys this new idol statue, brings it to a local temple and places it on the altar. A clear invitation for wandering disembodied dirt gods like me to take up residence inside it. My hungry, confused spirit senses this sudden housing opportunity and makes a real estate grab. But the seven holes in my new head are still shut. I can't hear, taste, smell or see. But a rooster has just been sacrificed and that rooster's blood will change me. Oh, you homeless gods, fellow castaways This is your one and only chance To hear about the five centuries Uncle Dirt Spent in this small stone body As the rooster's blood Trips into the holes the sculptor carved in the left and right side of my small stone head. My ears open. And I re-enter this realm of the living. I don't know where I was before or who I am now. I only remember that time before the beginning when there was no you or I, no first or last, just that flaming mass of hot gas. Our one endless body. The rooster's blood finds my nose holes, left nostril, right nostril. As I test my new nose, I smell the ancient swamp cypress who gave her body to this table I'm standing on. While a hundred voices chant prayers in a tongue that sounds like home, the swamp cypress tells me about the green lichen creatures who broke rock into the dirt that anchored and nourished her. As the swamp cypress speaks the story of dirt, I feel the face itch of a buried memory from a time after the beginning. I want to listen to my face itch and ask the cypress who I am. But though my ears and nose holes are open, my mouth and eye holes are still shut. I must wait and hope the rooster's blood will be generous. A paintbrush made from that rooster's comb sweeps across my eye holes, opening my sight. I see that bleeding paintbrush glide across my lips. <laughs> <laughs> Good, Good morning, morning mouth. mouth! Now that you're with me, let's ask the tree who I am. But first, I turn to the ghost of that slaughtered rooster, perched impatiently on my shoulder. Thank him for his sacrifice and wish him an upwardly mobile transmigration. Noble rooster, time has no end. Life as a farm bird is not happy. Early death brings new beginning. May you fly to heaven and become a god. Or 
be reborn a son in a very rich family. The Veil Thinnesses, Oxhead and Horseface, demon guardians of the underworld, enter, collect the rooster's ghost, and lead him to his next body. Bon voyage, rooster. Thank you for opening the seven holes in my head. I swear, as long as I can fill this stone body with, with consciousness, I will never let go of your gift. I turn my mind to the Swamp Cypress, and I'm about to speak when... Oh, Lord of the Blue Sky! What scrumptious smells squiggle towards these newly opened nose holes? Who cares who I am, where I've been, what I've known, or where I'm going? There is no future, no past. Just this giant feast. Made for me. Juicy mangoes, herbal chicken, turnip, omelet, pork rib soup, ripe papaya, ginger, steamed fish, sticky rice cakes, taro root, drunken cockles, lotus mooncakes, pork lard noodles, bamboo shoots, onion pancakes, oyster omelet, seaweed peanuts, young jackfruit, crispy fish rolls, birthday noodles, deep fried pig feet, let's eat food. I feast until strength I didn't know I was missing floods my new body and <coughs> brings back old memories. <coughs> oh, I see. Swamp Cypress, I don't need you, you to tell me who I am or why I've reawakened in this humble stone body. Now that my belly is full, my awareness is complete. <coughs> I am Uncle Dirt, Lord Soil, Fatherland, and Grandpa Earth. I am a local low-level dirt god whose awakening in Lin Village can only mean someone in Lin Village has built a small stone house for me. I'll be part of Lin Clan, I'll guard Lin Village land. I'll tell bugs to hop away from our crops. When the days are long, I'll learn all their songs. Grandpa taught me this one, this one. The sky is black, rain will come. Grandpa digs for taro with his hole. Dig and dig, dig and dig. Grabs digs up a slick black eel. Isn't this so strange and silly? Grandpa wants the eel cooked salty. Grandma wants to cook it plain. They clash and fight and break the pot. Ending up with clinks and clanks. <laughs> As 
Three centuries pass, 13 generations of rice farmers enter and exit this floating world of the living. Wake up, comrades! Uncle Dirt budgeted one minute for the peaceful pastoral part of his story. There isn't time to tell you how the trunk of the banyan tree planted behind my small stone house expanded around my home like rising dough. I can't tell you the secrets of the lovely lichen creatures who guarded my walls like royal lions. Of course it's true that here in Lin Village, I'm just a local low-level dirt god inside a body of simple stone. Uncle Dirt is not made of something precious like jade or gold or camphor wood. But despite my humble origins, I guarantee no one in Lin Village gets more gossip than me. Life for Uncle Dirt is sweeter than grass jelly. I know Lin Village is better than they know each other. Plantings and harvests, excavations and burials, no one cuts down a tree or buries their dead without asking me for permission. Then tossing divination blocks to receive my answer. Comrades, am I right that no one is surprised to hear that even in those early days, Uncle Dirt was very opinionated? Aha! Have we reached the first turning point in my story? One day, the Lin brothers, who already received a no twice, come again with the same stupid egg question. No, I will not go with you to America. No, I will not escort you to Gold Mountain. No, I will not help you get rich. My home is here in Lin Village. Useless rice buckets, I said no. I'm not one of those get rich quick kinds of gods. I speak for the soil and the creatures who creep through it. I guard harvests and burials. I belong to graveyards and fields. No, 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 no! How many times must I say it? I have no interest in California and Washington and Oregon. My life is here, in my small stone house, in the arms of my big banyan tree, in the company of my lovely lichen creatures, listening to the big and small problems of every Lin villager, from their first word to their final. They take me anyways. So I curse them. You will never find what you search for. You, you will never see your loved ones again. I've been godnapped, stolen, ripped from my house and forced into the cargo hold of a dark, stinky ship. It takes nine months to get there. A mother whale and her calf join midway and follow our ship into San Francisco Bay. Comrades, I hear you gossiping behind my back as we sit and stand inside this floating temple on the eve of my destruction five centuries after my awakening. Do you think I'm an idiot for choosing to stay stuck in this small stone body? What kind of bottom-rung deity clings so stubbornly to his idol statue when things aren't going grandly? Why didn't I just let go? Evacuate this humble vessel, locate a grander body, and evict the god or demon living inside. Do you think I'm a fool for wanting to see where this adventure would take me? I could have traded up for something precious like jade or gold or camphor wood. Why did I let them take me to California and Oregon, to grand adventures and devastating massacre? I know I'm among fellow gods, but 
who else has seen 34 Chinese men die in America so suddenly? Call me sentimental, foolish, naive, impractical, but I swore to the ghost of that slaughtered rooster who gave his life to open the seven holes in my head that as long as I can still fill this body with consciousness, I will never let go of his gift. So shut your gossiping holes and listen to me. Tell the tale of my time across the sea when my boys journeyed east in search of gold and became young men who never grow old. Follow us down, down to Snake River. See what we found, down by Snake River. Hard work made them decent lads, though life was rough. Good times were had while washing men's clothes and planting green rows and building railroads. Then heading to Hell's Canyon to search for gold. Let's all go down and my snake river, strong Chinese man. From the South China Sea, miners from the Samyup Company camped eight months in a peaceful cove. Then a gang of white guys came to steal their gold. Little brother ran to me when he saw the thieves, took me in his arms and tried to flee. Gone spat. Cracked and pierced his back. Older brother tried to help, but his brains got bashed and we fell down into Snake River. Me and my Oh, I laid with the brothers on a gravel bed as their ghosts climbed out of their cold, dead heads and stood by their bodies too confused to leave. Till salmon babes came and picked their white bones clean. An Oregon jury set those white guys free. 
No justice for the Sam Yup Company. Now Walla Walla County's got 34 ghosts hunting a wet place called Chinese Massacre Cove. And I'm alone inside Snake River. 99 years inside Snake Bullfrog swims to the bottom of Snake River and tells me I am in the deepest river gorge in the land. According to his ancestors, Featherless Two-Legged arrived 11,000 years earlier. The frog asks, what's it like being a god? My boys are dead, no one offers me food, and I'm too hungry to remember. So, he offers to share his feast. I'm just a humble, low-level dirt god, but... I have a very refined palate. I reject the frog's flies and stay hungry and lonely, far from any home I ever remember having. And yes, I admit, I am seriously considering abandoning this body when, out of nowhere, a boulder tumbles down a cliff, splashes into Snake River, lands beside Uncle Dirt, and calls me brother. There are hundreds just like him strewn across this riverbed. Brother, how can these silly sunken stones be my family? The rocks respond immediately. We are millions of silent skeletons who slept on sunken volcanoes. Our limestone flesh comes from tiny creatures that lived in ancient seas. We are coral and plankton and mosques. Those limestone rocks on riverbed for from a mountain that was once a sunken sea floor, just like that long ago mountain in Fujian who gave a piece of itself to the sculptor who shaped this humble stone body. I stay hungry for a long time, but I stop feeling lonely. Decades later, a descendant of that first frog swims down for a visit. Inside his mouth is a young salmon from a school that hatched upriver and just began the first of two great migrations. 500 miles downriver to the Pacific Ocean, northwest to the Gulf of Alaska and the Bering Sea. Thank you, salmon. Your migrations are the most spectacular journeys heaven and earth have ever seen. You are on your way to the ancient feeding grounds of your ancestors. One day, the few left in your school will swim back to the gravel bed your mother guarded until her ghost swam out of her body. Eight years later, the salmon school returns. They'd left the ocean 40 days earlier. The stream of their birth is just one day's travel further. Keep going, salmon! You're almost there! Almost there. Soon, you future mothers will lay 4,000 fertilized eggs. Three days later, that salmon school comes back. They never come back. The dam, a new 
newly built dam blocks their journey home. As the salmon surrender to the flow of the river, I curse the builders of that dam! The confused salmon school swims down to my gravel bed. I feel frustration in their bones. Then, one of those thwarted mothers opens her mouth, wraps big fleshy lips around my little limestone shoulders, swallows, and claims me as her own. I'm shocked, floored. What an incredible thing. Never in 10,000 years did Uncle Dirt think he would know the inside of a salmon's belly. After weeks of hurling their dying bodies upriver, the fish spend their last days on Earth going with the flow. For eight days, we travel downriver and reach a peaceful cove, where a single humpback whale opens his mouth and takes a few of this confused salmon school out of their misery into his stomach. What a ride! What a tragic, incredible journey. After 99 years in Snake River, Uncle Dirt is inside a salmon, inside a whale's belly. And get this, this 100-year-old whale was that long-ago little calf trailing our ship with his mother as we sailed from Fujian to San Francisco. Greetings, humpback whale. I remember your song well. It's dark inside you and reeks of rotting fish. But boy, are the seven holes in my head happy to sense you. Body light. Escape night. Out of Escape dark night. Pull me out of home. Melt fat of bones. Burn me, get sight. When my body turns to light, will the dark night when I'm out of my home and the fat is off my bones what will they do with this what will they do with their side I traveled west inside that whale's belly. His songs tell stories of hunted ancestors dragged onto land, bodies that did not sink and become home to 10,000 things. 
I sense the tired whale yearning to sink to the deep sea floor and become a many-decade host to 10,000 creatures with no other food source. Whale fall, sink down deep, bones and flesh, feed new things, bones and flesh, feed new things. Whale's ghost did not climb out of his bones until he reached a sandy beach on. Comrades, stop playing coy. I know even you undercover demons squatting in bodies less attached gods already abandoned want to know the final chapter of my story. How does Uncle Dirt lose both arms? Snake River didn't take them, and Uncle Dirt has both his arms inside the whale's belly. I hear you mass-produced gods crying at night, ashamed of your situation. Yes, we probably wouldn't have been abandoned if we were made of something precious, like jade or gold or camphor wood. But what kind of idiot, narcissistic gods feel bad about things they're not made of? So, there I am the belly of a beached whale who is rotting on a sandy beach on the southern end of this island. As night fades into morning, I hear a grandpa singing. He is joined by his grandson. Good, 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 that is my language. This is my song. Has the humpback whale brought Uncle Dirt back to his home? I sing with them. Grandpa and grandson find my beached whale and call local officials who contact a science museum that wants my whale's bones. Picture it. I'm inside the belly of a rotting whale on a truck heading north on a highway, and my mind is flooding with negative thoughts. A hundred years have passed since I've seen a human person. Do I remember what they're like? I'm panicked. I'm nervous. I have serious social anxiety. My thoughts are too muddled to worry about how I'm getting out of a whale's rotting body. Four centuries have passed since my awakening. I don't know modern people. I don't understand the ways of this world. I'm backwards. I'm useless. I'm an out-of-date god. Yes, I yearn to be close to people. But does anyone yearn for me? For me? For me? For me? We get off the highway and drive through the busy city. While I'm panicking, strange rumblings are happening inside that whale's belly. Rumblings and stinky smells that fill me with a oddly romantic feeling. It's gas. gas. No wonder I'm feeling nostalgic. Gas, gas. forms gas. inside gas. that whale's gas. rotting belly. Gas, gas. reminding gas. me of that gas. time before gas. the beginning, gas. when there was no you or I, no first or last, just a flaming mass of hot gas, gas. our gas. one endless gas. body. The truck stops at a bustling intersection. I hear sounds of the city, sounds of a world I don't know. Cars, trains, buses, scooters, phones, shopkeepers squabbling, children laughing in a language that feels like my home. The gas makes me relax. 
I am weightless. My heart's blown open. I feel happy. A lightness I've never known. Then, all of a sudden, the whale explodes! I blast out of the whale's belly. Lord of the blue sky! Uncle Dirt flies out of a carcass into the clouds! I'm a beetle. I'm a bird. I'm soaring over people. Brown eyes, black hair. People who look like home. Plastic chopsticks, herbal chicken, neon street signs. Pork rib soup, turnip omelet, Nike sneakers. Sticky rice cakes, high heel shoes, leather jackets, television. Airplanes, nose rings. Young jackfruit. Suddenly, Suddenly, things stop looking up. For a split second, I hover. Then, Uncle Dirt falls. Down, down towards that intersection. I fall down towards a young man in a leather jacket whose name is Handsome Lily. His teeth are stained red from beetle nut. Down, his arms are sunburned from years working outdoors. Down, he climbs onto his scooter and starts his engine. He is laughing at girls covered in whale guts. There's a lottery ticket in his hand. I fall down into his scooter basket onto a carton of cigarettes and bundle of fish. Comrades! Those of you who flinched when I said lottery ticket know where the next part of my story is going. My time with Handsome Lin began just after this island launched the National Lottery. What did they call it? Everybody's happy. Ha! <laughs> That's what folks thought money would make them if only they picked the right numbers. Comrades. I see your dented heads bashed in chests and robes bleached white like you spent years lying in overgrown fields. I hate to use the word victim, but am I right that my missing arms aren't the only casualty of that get-rich-quick fantasy? Handsome Lin does take me home and give me a place on his altar and feed me pink rice cakes and steamed fish. And for three hours, I am happy. Then he puts me to work day after day, morning and evening. Handsome Lin stands in front of me at the altar, grabs his red divination blocks and makes me pick numbers. Uncle Dirt has been gotten at. Witness to massacre. He spent a century in Snake River, months in the belly of a whale. But honestly, this is my first abusive relationship. I wish I could give you a happy ending and say he learned to appreciate me. But one night after months, months of losing, Handsome Lin comes home drunk, drunk calls me worthless. Then chops off. Then I chops off. Arms. My arms. With his, <laughs> with his machete. Handsome.
Handsome Lin hurls me out the window towards the pig pen behind his house. I land face down in the mud. Before I can curse him, gray, furry hands pull me out of the muck, and a rough tongue licks me clean. What the? Soft arms press me against a warm, fuzzy chest and cradle me like a baby as two sad female eyes peer down at me. Lord of the blue sky, has Uncle Dirt just been adopted by a Formosan rock monkey? She ties me to her chest with a red plastic bag. The poor girl has an iron chain around her neck, binding her to that backyard pig pen. Uh, hold, hold on! Hold on! Why does Lin Village have a monkey in chains? Comrades, we are the traditional gods of the Han people who first came to this island by boat centuries earlier. But seriously, who here has ever stopped to think about the people and tribes who were here before? I must confess, I never did, until that rock monkey, who Lin villagers called Red Bottom, told me her story. Red Bottom belonged to a tribe of rock monkeys, the only primates besides humans native to this island, whose ancestral home was near the harbor where Han people first landed. Those early Han people thought monkeys were meat. Some even made ashtrays with their skulls. Red Bottom's tribe fled inland and settled on a lush green mountain full of fruit and bamboo. And for a hundred years, life was good. But, but then, then the Lin clan, descendants of those very villagers who loved me in my early days, moved to a valley at the base of that very mountain. Their crops were being destroyed on the coast, and like Red Bottom's tribe, they, they wanted a safer place to call home. Red Bottom was born on the mountain, but was curious about Han villagers in the valley below. This is where her problems began. Monkeys born on the mountain do not know to fear. Han men from the villages, when they come near, watch out, Red Bottom, you better not stalk. That man in the palm bark hat out on his walk. I know you think that man in the hat is your friend, but he slaps iron chains round your neck in the end. Then binds you to this pig pen where you have panic attacks Now you're stuck here with an armless god who can't hug you back You don't have your family So I'll be your rock baby You can groom this old limestone of a burnt banyan tree Sheltered from the rain and the sun's beating heat Piglets and ducklings and chicks come to play But every few months they all go away My girl Red Bottom gets so sad She even tries to get through the day without opening her eyes Monkey needs her family not some dirty rock baby Will she die?
Long Island rains make iron chains rust, turning thick links to a thin brittle crust. One night her chain breaks off with a crack. Red bottom runs. She never looks back. Up to green forests in search of her clan. But she can't find monkeys in trees or on land. She looks for a safe place to keep feeling sad. When out of a cave bursts her own mom and dad. Her own mom and dad. And her tribe of cousins and friends. Monkey has her family. She don't need her rock baby. Red Bottom has found her home. But Uncle Dad is all alone. Uncle Dad. So much to see. Monkeys swinging through trees, Red Bottom choosing a mate and having her own baby. One with arms who could hug her back. I was alone, but I wasn't lonely. I could have watched that tribe of monkeys forever, but then... A, a typhoon, typhoon hit the island. As monkeys shelter in caves, rainwater pushes me into a mountain stream that carries me to a roaring river. But this time, I don't sink. Whale belly, stomach acid, eat my stone. Open holes. See how pockmarked my stone is? I'm so full of little holes, I'm practically pumice. Fishing net catches me. Uncle Dad, city police. A fisherman finds me in his net and takes me to a city police station. Cops bring me to this floating Taipei temple, to this small windowless room. And here I am! Comrades, they brought me to you, my fellow castaways, who... Wow. Uncle Dirt's time in this realm is ending. Temple officials are carrying me to the place I'll be pulverized. Thank you, Snake River. You kept me safe inside you for so long. May all your dams be broken and your body flow whole. Thank you, Salmon and Whale and Monkey. I'm sorry I didn't speak for you until your kind started to exit this floating world of the living. Thank you, Coral and Mollusk and Plankton Bodies. You fused your silent skeletons into the limestone rock the sculptor carved into this five-century home. Relax. Relax! I was never going to forget you. Thank you, Thank Rooster. Thank you, Rooster. Homeless gods, fellow castaways, 
Thank you for listening to my five century story. Never be ashamed of the simple stuff you are made of. These are the last words of Uncle Dirt, who is signing off as he exits this floating world. May we meet again in different bodies which are nothing like the ones we have known. We have known. Thanks for listening to this episode of Soundstage. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Season 2 of Soundstage is made possible with generous support from the Sherman Foundation's Catherine S. and Axel G. Rosine Fund and the National Endowment for the Arts. Last Words of Uncle Dirt was written by Francis Yachu Kauhik, directed by Michael Roth. Music composition, arrangements, sound design, and editing by Michael Roth. Final sound mix and mastering by Jessica Paz. Uncle Dirt was played by Kakwa Lee. The musicians in this episode were Wu Man, Fatia McAdam Somer, and Peter Sproud. Dialogue and vocals recorded and engineered by Jasper Kirchhoff in Utrecht, Netherlands. Music recorded at Sprogland Studio, Encinitas, California, by Peter Sprague, engineer. Production and sound assistant, Megan Roche. The series line producer is Allison Koch. Intro music by Emily A. Sprague. Special thanks to Jenna Reddy. To learn more about Playwrights Horizons and how you can support more theatrical adventures like this podcast, visit us online at phnyc.org soundstage. Or... Text PHNYC to 44321.